Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, we're rolling along. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. As always, we're live from the Seaport. We're brought to you by Chase. Bubba's got a couple days off upon my return. That's not a coincidence. Uh, Hembo is here today. Cam is here today. We had Kmart in earlier and a bunch of stuff is going on. I'm going to get to this Anthony Rendon thing in just a minute here, but we were just talking as the rest of the country joins us about Saquon Barkley and your your thought, you said a good thing. You said sentimentality does not play a role in contract negotiations or, or in negotiations of any kind. And I think you're right as a rule. You should not, it's why you should never engage in serious negotiation of any time of any kind in your life when you are yourself feeling emotional about something. It is why people who are in positions like athletes or even like me have representatives, have agents who do that for them because they will absorb whatever the other side of it is far better than you will yourself. It's impossible sometimes not to take things personally, even if you tell yourself not to. So I get all of that. But I do think there is an element of an organization handling itself right and doing the right thing that does benefit it, even if not in obvious ways. So for, for those who weren't a part of the conversation, because again, the different parts of the country join us, I was suggesting that the Giants, because of everything Saquon Barkley has done, everything he has been, the way he has conducted himself, how important he's been to the franchise, the quote-unquote good soldier he's been, and everything else— just kick him another million bucks and it'll make you look good. It'll make you it'll make him feel good. It'll I think it'll engender a lot of goodwill amongst in your locker room. I think it'll engender a lot of goodwill amongst the NFL players, community at large, and amongst your fans who love him and have and and have a right to love him. And look again, Saquon Barkley is the reason Daniel Jones got paid all that money and he doesn't look like he deserved it. He's the reason Brian Dayball won coach of the year, and here we are a year later, we're talking about him like he's on the hot seat. I'm not telling you to give Saquon Barkley a three-year deal at $15 million a year. I'm saying if the franchise tag is, what is it, 12? 12 million. Give him $13 million guaranteed dollars for this season and some sort of option for year two. He'll feel like he won something. that You can sell it that way. Put his face on your you know, ticket packages. Let Saquon continue to be the face of your franchise, which he is and has done for a long time. I think there is value in that, even if it isn't of the obvious kind. You know, I think this is probably a conversation that that John Mara, the owner of the team, and Joe Shane, the GM of the team, are probably having amongst themselves. Because every point you just made is one well-made. That's exactly how an NFL owner would think. Let's face it, Saquon Barkley has been, if not the face of the franchise, at least one of them ever since the retirement of Eli Manning. He's been basically the only good, consistent player that you've had, and he's desperately wanted to stay. He said himself he wants to be a giant for life. Most of those, those players don't exist anymore. Saquon Barkley has done and said all of the right things. I'm the GM. I am operating in a world for which I have to adhere to the salary cap. I'm a GM. I see the rating on the wall with Saquon Barkley because 100 running backs just like him have thrived through the age of 26 and then fallen off a cliff, especially running backs like him who had enormous workloads in college, enormous workloads to start his career, suffered a major injury in 2020. So I'm paying for future performance. I'd rather pay two or three players the amount that you're suggesting I pay pay Saquon Barkley and we'll be better off as a team for it. Yeah, I I get that. I think you'll be be 
uh, in the very, 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 very myopic way that you're looking at that, yes. you're probably right. Look, anything you can get for less money is better than for more money in a zero-sum game like the NFL's salary cap is. Um, but sometimes you lose a battle to win a war. Mm. Like, I'll give you an example because I know you are in the center of this. Please do not associate me with this thought. But the year that Derek Jeter had his last year as a Yankee, you were the one telling me constantly they need to stop hitting him when they're hitting him in the lineup. They need to take him. All this and, the, and that. And do you think they did that wrong? Do you not celebrate Derek Jeter in the way they did on his way out the door for everything he has meant to your franchise? My opinion is at that time he should have been their DH and he should not have been hitting leadoff. And had he not been, they would have had a better chance of making the playoffs. That remains my position. Right. But isn't that a battle that you are better off in the long run having lost? Perhaps not. But I know you're not equating Derek Jeter to Saquon Barkley, but Derek Jeter is a player who I has... I am equating the... them to the extent that Saquon Barkley has been both the best and the best-loved player on that team for the last, as you said, since Eli Manning's, so whatever that is, five years? Mm-hmm. What, what year did they draft him? He was in the same draft with Darnold and all that. 2018. Right? So five, you know, six seasons. Mm-hmm. And, and particularly the last two. I think he, he, Saquon, engendered a lot of love from his team's fans by doing what he did last year, by, by not holding out, by showing up, by signing the franchise tender, by being there, by staying in the lineup all year long, by trying even when the season was hopelessly lost, when they had no quarterback whatsoever to play for them and everyone knew he was getting the ball. Like, he has been a good soldier. Meet him up. Not if, I'm not even asking you to meet him halfway. Meet him one-tenth of the way. He has two things working against him, though, not just one. The most important thing, of course, is that he plays running back. And you've said many, many times <laughs> that is the worst lot in life. Yeah. The second is that he has said and demonstrated so many times that he desperately wants to stay. And the Giants have used that against him time and time again. Does that engender bad will? Yes, of course. But in the end, the Giants are making the right economic decision. And 99 times out of 100, the GM is going to win that argument against his owner. I understand. If this, was, if this was about a big deal, I would agree with you. If, the, if, this was the, uh, if they were debating, do we give him three years and $45 million or let him go, I would be on your side. Now you mentioned we're Derek talking Jeter. about just giving him a little, something, just to sweeten it a little bit to make him feel good. You use the Derek Jeter example. I'll add another to it. Kobe Bryant was a shell of himself at the end of his career. And the Lakers gave him an enormous contract, let him play out the string, let him play 30 minutes a game, and it actively harmed their chances of winning. In hindsight, do you think they would have done anything differently? No. So you think that in some cases, I'm just going to make sure that I have this right, you're willing to lose games or potentially lose games at the expense of a sort of more qualitative organizational goodwill. I don't know that you're necessarily losing more games. Like, like I don't know that that team would have been better. Let's, let's keep the Kobe piece out of it for a minute here because it's a long time ago and, and everything that has happened since makes it feel weird to talk about. The Jeter one is closer. Mm. Um, this one we're talking about, because that one we're talking about, do you play him every day and all that. This one we're talking about, there isn't any debate that they're a better team with him than without him. Of that, there is no debate. So all we're talking about is giving him a little extra money to make everybody feel good about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about re- reshaping the franchise around mm-hmm. him. I'm, talk- I mean, I'm, I'm the one who said, and I'm going to do the green list a little later, I think the Giants should trade up in this draft and take a quarterback. Yeah. I really do, unless they fall. Look, there are <sighs> – the weird thing about the NFL draft 
is is the disparity of opinion. Like I got some people. I got uh, Tim Hasselbeck, who I love, who is a great analyst and a great evaluator. I think of quarterback talent, telling me Drake May is the best quarterback in this draft. And I've got other people telling me he isn't even the third best quarterback in this draft, that they think J.J. McCarthy is better than he is. So I don't know what to think, but I'm saying I think the Giants need to start all over again. And the Giants are, they need to start the building process. Daniel Jones is, I think he's going to be their quarterback for one more year and that's going to be it. And if he surprises everyone and plays great, that'll be a great problem to have. I'll live with that problem when I get there. In the interim, I'm, I'm addressing my quarterback situation now if I'm them if for the future. And what, what's better if you have a young quarterback than having a, a really, really good running back who, while he may not be as explosive as he was four years ago, is still the best player on your team. He's the best player. On, we're talking about the best player on their team. But to justify paying a running back $12, $13, 14000000 million a year, he has to be the best one in the whole sport. And Saquon Barkley does not approach that anymore. And all of the numbers suggest that he's only getting Why worse. Why do you say he doesn't approach that? At a faster What rate. running backs right now are just definitively better? Better than him. Christian McCaffrey is better than Christian him. Christian McCaffrey is definitively better than him. Okay. I mean, to pull up the list of rushing leaders last year? Well, yeah, because he. bear in mind, he played on a team that lost its quarterback in the second game. They lost Tyrod Taylor. He's playing with Tommy DeVito behind a bad offensive line. you got to remember the circumstances that he's running into. I mean, to call the boxes full would be an insult to empty boxes everywhere, right? I mean... You know, Lewis Riddick was saying a lot of the same things I was saying on the TV show earlier, and you, wouldn't, you were not giving him quite as hard a time as you're giving me. Because I have extraordinary respect for Lewis Riddick, and I have none for you. <laughs> what other running back? I'm just, just giving... I'm the eye test. Sure. It was definitively better than him. So you say yes on Christian McCaffrey, right? <clears throat> yeah, sure. Okay. I'm, 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 but I have right now... He's the, the best list. in the sport. So would you say that James Conner is better than, Christian McC- uh, better than Saquon Barkley? I mean, probably, but I don't, not like, not definitively, not way better. I don't know enough about how good is James Conner at catching balls out of the backfield because Saquon's a pretty good receiver. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like he, that Conner did a lot of that in Pittsburgh or am I misremembering? How about Derrick Henry? He doesn't. How about Derrick Henry? Yeah, again, Henry at what he does is as good as maybe anyone we've seen in generations, but he's, he's another one who, he doesn't catch passes, I don't think, the way um, Saquon does. And he's, he, he has even more, miles on his legs than Saquon does. How about James Cook? Yeah, James Cook was magnificent this year. I mean, he exploded this season. He was, I, I don't even know why I'm hesitating. He was the best player on their offense besides Josh Allen. I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at thousand yard rushers. I'm seeing Kyron Williams. I'm seeing DeAndre Smith and Najee Harris and Joe Mixon and David Montgomery and Raheem Mostert. Like these are such easy people to replace. Christian McCaffrey is the only one of his kind, the only running back in the NFL that has a direct impact on winning. What I'm saying is that you could, if you, if you allowed Saquon Barkley to walk, you could pay a collection of running backs half as much as you would have to pay him, and you would lose nothing. The only thing you would lose is the ability to put Saquon Barkley's face on your season ticket package. And that is not worth $13 million, not to me. Hmm. So, so you're talking about the difference between... Th- so you wouldn't even franchise tag him. No, that's too much money. So we're not talking about the difference between 13 and 12. We're talking about the difference between... 13 and letting him go. I can draft a running back in the third or fourth round that I think can be 80% of Saquon Barkley. 
I've done. I think I've done. One, there was no. There's no first round running back this year. No, there's not. There's not going to be. There's one. not going to be a first round back this year. I, I think I've done. I don't have time to look it up here in my notes. I think I've. I can't decide if I've done one or two backs so far, and 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 they're not going to be that many more that go in the first two days. So let me give you a number that an NFL team would care about in these negotiations. I looked this up this morning for Lewis Riddick. Um, in, a, in 704 rush attempts since the injury in 2020, Saquon Barkley has broken 28 tackles one out of every 25 times he runs the ball he breaks a tackle all right before the injury that was one out of every 11 attempts he's gone from being an evasive elusive running back that can break tackles to one who is extremely tackleable and if I'm looking to pay a running back I need someone that can create on his own a person that can gain yards for me even if the blocking is not there and Saquon Barkley is not that guy anymore I need you to help me with that stat because how does 21 out of every 25 or whatever it is you mm-hmm. said, how does that compare to the league average? And he was at the very bottom of the league this year. Something like fifth worst among qualified players. All right. I mean, that's a telling stat, and that does matter. All right, look, it's a good discussion, and, and maybe I'm just a sentimental old softy, and maybe that is the worst <laughs> thing you can possibly be if you're making decisions like these. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle home and auto and save. Visit Progressive.com. Wow, okay, and how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Himbo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? All right, I'm told we have group trivia. Let's go. We do indeed. So the NFL's franchise tag dates to 1993, and since only three quarterbacks have played an entire season on the tag, you and Cam and Nick are going to, be all, are going to give me all three quarterbacks. Answers next, ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. We will have uh, our guests at Group Trivia in 30 seconds after this reminder that ESPN Bet is now live as the official sports book of ESPN. ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today. New users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. 
That's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Group trivia, Hembo, go. The NFL's franchise tag dates to 1993. And since only three quarterbacks have played an entire season on the tag, you're going to give me all three quarterbacks. All right, so played an entire season is the key because the guys, Jack, Pineapple Jack, and, and Brandon are here, and they were saying, well, wait a minute, Lamar Jackson, he, he didn't play. He was tagged, but he didn't play the season on the franchise tag, and neither did all but three quarterbacks in history. So, Cam, there's two of them that have – if I'm wrong, then I just need to go home, right? I mean, should I just say the two I'm positive of? I'm pretty sure you're right on those, Okay, yeah. so there's, there isn't any question one of them is Dak Prescott. That's correct. Yeah. And there isn't any question another of them is Kirk Cousins. That's also correct. Right. So, so those two I obviously just happened. So Nick, who is – what are we going to what's, – what's Nick's – he's not hashtag Nick yet because he hasn't been with us long enough – He's not pineapple, Nick, because he didn't go out and order just a bunch of pineapple with we me. We don't know that. Nick, give, give me, tell me something unique about yourself. Uh, no idea. I actually don't know. All right, Clueless Nick. <laughs> is, I, like, I like Clueless Nick. With us today. And, and Clueless Nick is positive you know it. Who do you think it is? I believe it's Steve Young. And I you, think it would be early 90s, like around when it was in, created, 93, 94. So, so Montana's last year in San Francisco would have been 90. 90. So he got knocked out in the championship game in, in 90. Against and then, the Giants. But then was still on the team in 91, just injured. And then I think he went to the Chiefs in 92 and 93. So I, so Nick is saying he thinks Steve Young like won an MVP or, or something and then was still tagged maybe in 93 is kind of what he was uh, explaining. So I don't remember it. I feel like I'd remember that. But tags were also a new thing then. They weren't viewed the same way. They were actually viewed as something a player would be excited about. Right. It wasn't like a, a, a knock against you because we don't trust you maybe anymore. Maybe it was something different at the time. But. So that might be why I don't remember it. I don't have a better guess. I don't have another guess either. I'm looking at Brandon and Pineapple Jack. You guys have another guess? They don't know. Cam Newton? I don't, I don't think so. It, it, Brandon is saying Cam Newton. I feel like I would remember that. Like I just feel like that would have happened so recently that I'd remember it. Uh, Pineapple Jack doesn't look like he has any idea. So we're going to see if Nick lives up to his name. Is Clueless Nick clueless or not so clueless? Our third guess is Steve Young. And the correct answer is Drew Brees. Oh, no. Drew Brees in 2005 played for the Chargers on the franchise tag before going to New Orleans. Get rid of Nick. We're done. Clueless Nick, unfortunately, <laughs> is done. I don't know when Bubba's coming back, but someone else has to be doing the show tomorrow. Nick, I apologize. You seem like a nice young man, even in that shirt. Um, but the, the bottom line of it is that's uh, – he, he said, I'm 99% oh, no, sure I think I'm he right. just said 90. I oh, said no, 90. the TV crew just got rid of his the, camera the TV, shot. For those of you watching on TV, they just <laughs> – <laughs> That's well done. They just got rid of the shot on Clueless Nick. Let me see. Now he's cameraless Nick. I can talk you into he, cameraless Clueless Nick. Shotless Nick. So Steve Young was the first quarterback to be franchise tagged not bad. in 1993, but he did not play the full season on it. Okay. So it was, not a, it was not a wholly bad guess like Cam Newton, who never even was tagged at all in his career. 
When you say it's not a wholly bad guess, do you spell that H-O-L-Y or do you spell it W-H-O-L-L-Y? W-H-O-L-L-Y. Okay, so you're not saying it wasn't a wholly bad guess. Or H-O-L-Y. It wasn't biblically bad. (laughs) Holy bad guess, Batman. That's that's basically what I thought you were saying for just a brief moment there. Which is fair, knowing me. All right, so that's fair. The shot of Clueless Nick can come back. But he remains Clueless Nick until further notice. Um, All right, well played. So it was a bad day for me today. I got both questions wrong. And on we'll go from there. Okay, so I, I want to play something for you that none of us has heard, but I'm told that we'll be happy that we did. I'm sorry, what? what, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? My buddy Chris sends me a text that says, Greeny, I know you're on the radio right now. When you get done, you have to hear J.J. Reddick going at it with Stephen A. So that is the extent of what I know. So I said to Cam, go figure out what's going on with them. And you told me, Cam, before I play it, it requires some setup? Yeah, so there's a little bit more to this. They, they did get into some back and forth, a little more yelling than is going on here, which we won't play here. People can check that out if they want to. So the context is, I think, Kevin Durant was talking about that people don't see him as a leader because they don't know enough about his game, the inner workings, because he's not as charismatic, doesn't share much with people about about that. I think Stephen A. was saying that it's his job to tell people what I'm doing as a leader, why, why I'm so good at my craft, everything like that for fans who might not fully understand that. J.J. Redick, I think in this clip that you're about to hear, is saying it's not the current NBA player's job. It's our job as analysts to do that. But maybe fans aren't as receptive to that type of education as Stephen A. might want people to think. All right. So here we go. It's when is it players' jobs to educate people on basketball? When did that become a thing? When did that become a thing? Isn't that our job? Isn't that our job? I'll answer. I'll I do answer that as my I'm, job. I'm, I'm, That's I'm, my job I'm, to educate I'm, people I'm on letting, basketball. I'm letting you speak, and no, then I, I'm, I'll I'm, answer. It's our job, Stephen A., to educate mm-hmm. people on basketball. It's okay. our job. And here's the reality. This is the okay. ecosystem we live in. I can do okay. a video on my podcast. I can do a video on my podcast where I break down the last nine games the Pelicans have used Zion Williamson as the primary ball handler and what type of actions that has led to. I looked it up this morning. 54,000 views on YouTube. But I want to call out a coach yesterday. Oh, that gets tens of millions of engagements. That's the ecosystem we live in. So do fans actually want to be educated or not? Mm-hmm. Do they? Well, uh, so that's, uh, that's a good conversation. Wow. And, and from what I'm told, they went at it, you know, and, and Cam, you pointed it out. They went at it, a lot of yelling and stuff like that. So, so let's analyze that all in pieces. Um, first and foremost, do fans want that? In most cases, no. See, the difference between J.J. Reddick, Stephen A. Smith, and us versus fans is this is our job. This is what we do. We live in this stuff. I noticed it particularly for the Super Bowl. Like, you know, when the Super Bowl is going on, all my friends who are outside of this industry are excited about it. All my friends in finance, all my friends in law, all my friends in whatever else it might be. They're all excited for the Super Bowl. I dread the Super Bowl because it's, for me, it's the end of something. I know it means I'm now going into this long off season. Why? Because this the Super Bowl is my job. Sports is my job. But for them, sports is their entertainment. It's what they escape to. It's how they fill their time when they're not busy working. And that's what most fans are. So there is a percentage of fans, the 55,000 of them or so that J.J. is talking about, 
who, yes, are very interested in being further educated about the intricacies of this team's offensive system, but the overwhelming majority of fans are not. So if you give them a soap opera, like, you know, J.J. calling out Doc Rivers, and um, who was it that fired back at him? Pat Beverly, mm-hmm. whoever it is. And fan- Austin also responded on NBA Well, yeah, Doc's son, yeah. obviously. You know, he's got to say something. So my point is, if you give them that, I think infinitely more fans are going to be like, ooh, I'm entertained by this. This is my entertainment. My, my, my job, sports are there for my entertainment. They're not, I'm not working. When I'm watching a basketball game, when I'm watching first take, when I'm watching the videos on YouTube that I'm interested in, when I'm listening to Greeny's show on the radio or whatever the case may be, I'm not there to learn. I'm not there to work. I'm there because it entertains me. It passes the time. It makes me laugh. It makes me smile. Every now and again makes me think. But that can't be the lead, right? You're not, you're not leading with makes you think when you do a sports show. You're entertaining people. So I think that's the answer to that question. What do you think? I think this is a fascinating discussion. The good thing about the media climate that we live in today is that every kind of fan has the opportunity or the option to consume the content that they like. I happen to be the kind of fan that is interested in what the Pelicans' offense looks like over its last nine games when Zion Williamson is the primary ball handler. That's the kind of sports fan I am. There's also the kind of sports fan that wants to be first and foremost entertained, of course, and then there's enormous sort of swath in the middle. And there was a time in which, you know, you turn on ESPN and whatever it was offering you, you'd be content to watch. We don't live in that time anymore. Truthfully, like the most common feedback I get about ESPN as an employee, as a producer at ESPN, well, there's two things. One, people on first take yell too much. And two, get up, the show that I produce, talk about the Cowboys too much. To which I say, you have the opportunity to watch, to consume whatever you want. And the fact that you are watching those things and complaining that those things are happening is proof positive that they are working. So I think the, the... The conversation is a fascinating one as someone who has been behind the camera for 10 years and has made content choices every single day. Yeah, and that said, you still can't really put yourself into the mindset of average fans because you work in it and it is disproportionately important to you even if you didn't work in it. Sure. And I'm the same way. And those people you're hearing from, if you're going so far as to complain that we talk too much about the Cowboys on our show, then we've already got you. Mm. I mean, th- now we're really taking you behind the curtain in the way this business works. But if you, if it really... <sighs> there are people who watch you because what you're talking about is interesting to them. And then there are people who watch you because I like the show and this is what I do. Those people are going to complain about what you do on the days that they don't, you don't do the things that they want you to do. Most people will do exactly what you're talking about, which is just watch something else. And the point is, the really successful shows like ours and some of the others, first take even more so, is they appeal to people beyond the immediate, hardcore, passionate sports fan, whether it's the stat geek or the insane gambler or whatever the case may be, who would automatically be looking for this kind of stuff. They just like the show. Those people, we, we, we bring those people into the tent, and that's why we have some value. Anyone could do a show that just the most passionate sports fans are going to watch because 
that's they're just watching it because it's sports and it's on and it's a channel that they know. So the the point of the, what I'm what I'm trying to say here is it of course is not the player's responsibility to educate anyone on anything. But if the player is not willing to give much of himself, in this case Kevin Durant, if if he himself is setting up the conversation by saying people don't really know me because I don't really give much of myself, then it is very hard for the next sentence to be I'm mad that people don't know me better. Like how you can't, it's not, I can't complain that you don't understand me, Hembo, if I don't give you the opportunity to understand me. People can't complain about what they're seeing on Get Up if they don't watch in the first place. Mm. So if you're Kevin Durant and you're saying, look, I am naturally somewhat withdrawn, that's my personality. I'm not particularly outgoing the way LeBron is. I'm not particularly outgoing the way Steph Curry is. They're the three preeminent players of their generation, right? They're the three legends. Uh, you want to put Kawhi in that mix? I think he's a step down historically. Um, but but those are the three guys that define the era. It's the era of LeBron, Steph, and KD. One of the differences, LeBron is extremely camera-friendly. He loves talking. He's happy to talk. He wants to talk about things. He's he's does all that. Steph, ridiculously camera-friendly, might, might, might be the most charismatic star that the league has ever had or I mean like like Jordan level charisma um and then there's KD and that is is it naturally his personality he's much more introverted naturally that's that is his personality he's not as giving of himself he's more sensitive or at least sensitive in a different way to the things that are said about him none of those are a criticism there's nothing wrong with being any of those things but what they do is they tend to lead to people not really knowing you you know LeBron James for better or worse, you know who he is, you know what he is, you either like him or you don't. You know who Steph Curry is, you know who he is, you know him, you know what is, he's like a member of your family. You know Steph Curry as well as you know people in your own life. You don't know Kevin Durant that way. I, I follow the sport as closely as you can follow it. I don't know Kevin Durant that way. I have no idea what he's like. I, I see the little bits and pieces that he gives you. I see the little bit that you get on social media. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the nature of his personality. But what it's going to lead to is if there is stuff behind the scenes, it's, I'll, I'll compare it to Belichick. People who really know Bill, you've heard it. People who really know Bill will tell you he's so funny, he's so personable, he's so charming, he's so all of these things. I don't know that. I've met him maybe two or three times. He's quite guarded when he's around people he doesn't know well like me, probably people in the media like me. Totally understandably, it's not his nature to be glib and gregarious in those kind of situations. It isn't a, it isn't, that isn't an insult. But the point is, I don't know Bill Belichick at all in the same way that I don't know Kevin Durant that well. And so there's nothing wrong with any of that. But if he's then, if Stephen A is saying it's his job to educate people on that, well, I don't think it's his job to educate anyone. But if you're not going to, then it's kind of hard to fault them for not understanding you better. Right. The obvious difference between Belichick and Kevin Durant is that KD does seem very conscious of the negative publicity that he receives in large part because of his online behavior. And we live in a world in which you as an athlete can craft the exact image that you care to because you have the world at your fingertips. You have social media to do that work for you. And so I'm, I think... In the end, it is most definitely not Kevin Durant's responsibility to educate fans. That is our job. I agree with JJ. Now, educate can mean many different things for many different 
audience is. But at the same time, I don't want to hear Kevin Durant complain about how he's being perceived because he has more ability than anyone to craft how he is perceived. And to circle it all the way back, J.J. is going to come to understand, I think he already does, he's a super smart guy, but he's going to come to understand that I, I get what he's saying is the kind of analysis I want to give people is smart. It's, it's, it is, uh, in his opinion at least, a cut above what, has, what now passes for the discourse in sports. But what he's learning, and he's a big part of First Take, and that's as big a place for this, maybe, maybe has redefined the idea of the sports water cooler. What he's learning is there's a, there's a role for that kind of sports conversation in America, but there's a much bigger role for the stuff that does jolt social media. It does make a lot of people react. At the end of the day, when you make people react passionately, emotionally, emotionally, however else, that is when you really start making a difference in this industry. And it works the same exact way in cable news. It's the same it's the same thing. Like that is that has now become infotainment. There's a reason why you're almost always talking about something involving the president and not details about the filibuster. And news networks figured this out a long time before we did. But when you can find a topic or a series of topics that, that bring in the largest swath of the audience that you can, those are the ones that you're going to go with. And those fans, if they don't like it, are going to resort to other places. And that's okay. No one's making you watch. Right. I, I have very strong feelings about that part of it because I think there are legitimate issues that stem from the way from what we now describe as news in this country, but that's not a conversation to be had here. So anyway, I think that's a good debate. By the way, the whole thing about Doc Rivers, that surprised me too. Now, I guess there's a history between J.J. and Doc that I'm not aware of, but what I will say is if that's how J.J. feels about Doc, this is his job. It is, it is 100% his job to say so out loud. The interesting part is going to be you know, we've got the Eastern Conference Finals this year. If Milwaukee is in it and he's doing the games, then that's going to be scrutinized, right? Just the way he chooses to handle every word he says is going to be parsed based upon what he has already put out there to be his perspective. Now, he is far from the first person ever to do that. But Charles Barkley, Shaq, all these guys, they give their opinion as strongly as you can possibly give it. But that's what's going to wind up happening. Well, not just that. I mean, he's, he's replacing Doc in that job. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's so, true. So there's an ultimate irony in all it, of that. There really is. All right, coming up next, someone said something that I really can't believe. We're going to listen to it again and make sure that there isn't something in this that we're missing. Because if true, it's one of the... It is genuinely maybe one of the strangest things I've ever heard a professional athlete say. You'll hear it next on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light. With the free AutoZone Fix Finder service, it'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free so you can drive with peace of mind. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. All right, what is this? I'm sorry, what? 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 I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I was traveling yesterday, so I saw some reaction to this, but I've not actually heard it. So we are going to hear this together for the first time, you and I. I know what it is he says. I just need to hear the context in which he says it. This is Anthony Rendon, who has 
Is this contract $300 million? No, $215 million over seven years. $215 million. He was on, is this on the Jack Vita show? No, those are the comments he made over the summer. This is just at uh, Angel Spring Training. Oh, this is just this is just comments that he made. Okay, because I've read them. Again, I've not heard them. At Angel Spring Training, this is Anthony Rendon talking about the priority role that baseball plays in his life. Is it still a top priority for you, though? That's never been a top priority for me. This is a job, so I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't I? Do you want to be here? I don't want to talk to you guys at <laughs> seven in the morning or whatever time it is. So, Did you, I mean, do you want? I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have answered your question. So why do you keep picking at it? Okay, so I have to be honest with you. This is why it is imperative that you hear these things before you react to them. When you read the words, Anthony Rendon says that baseball is not, is not a top priority in his life. That feels a certain way. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong. I just heard a man say his family and his faith are more important to him than his career. And if somehow his career were to interfere with either his family or his faith, that he would choose those. Am I mishearing that? I mean, is, is there something in this I'm missing? He said the first thing that you said, and he implied the second thing that you said. So the, I, mean, I feel like he said the second thing. Either way, the point is, what's wrong with that? I, 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 don't, I don't see what's wrong with it. It might not be what you want to hear like there's a, there's a much nicer way of saying that it, it, it sounds like he was kind of cranky for whatever reason I don't know anything about his personality maybe he is just naturally cranky maybe he has an adversarial relationship with media you would know that better than I would but it sounds like he didn't feel like he didn't feel like dressing that up like there's a way of saying the same thing the only th- if I said to you I love my job I love my career I've, I've been at ESPN 29, it'll, this summer it'll be 28 years, and I love it here. The only things more important to me in my life are my family and my faith. Now, if my family or my faith were ever somehow to come in play where my career interfered with my ability to service those, then I would leave my career in a minute, but that doesn't mean it isn't an incredible priority in my life. Something like that. If I said that, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't even blink, Right. No, but don't you, um, don't you disagree with the implication that one cannot prioritize their family, their faith, and their profession? Yeah, but I don't know that he's saying that. Let's listen to it again. Let, 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 let's listen to that one more time. Is it still a top priority for you, though? That's never been a top priority for me. This is a job, so I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Oh, it- those come to the fourth. So it, he, he was taking literally the term top priority and then when the guy said is it a priority he said yes like what am i missing i i don't have any issue with what i just so you need to know that anthony rendon has become the guy that people ask these questions to because he has made clear repeatedly that he doesn't like playing baseball he's been he's been known as the guy that doesn't like playing baseball this is not the first time he said something like this. i remember that from last summer which is why yes which is why they're asking him The, the reason this is uh, the wrong thing to say at the wrong time is because Anthony Rendon is basically stealing money from the Angels. He's playing on a nine-figure contract, and if you don't love what you do, 
in this case, you're going to be much less inclined to try as hard as you can. And his performance the last three years has not only dipped considerably, but he's missed a lot of time with injury. And there are credible people that have said, why is it taking you so long to come back from them? Right? So it is one thing to care about your family and your faith more than your baseball. I get that. And there's a lot of people who in an honest moment would say that. But if I'm a fan of that team, if I'm a baseball fan, this is a guy who's playing a game for a living, earning $35 million a year to do it, and not only not putting his best foot forward in front of the media, but is leaving an unrepresentative um, um, performance on the field and not coming back from injury as soon as we think he should. Well, so those are two totally different things. So everything you just said, obviously I agree with. There's nothing, if, if that is a, an accurate way of describing him, and I fully trust that it is, then obviously I have a major issue with all of that. All of those things are terrible. If you're telling me that he's not coming back from injury, look, if someone asked him the question, Anthony, is the reason you didn't come back from the injury more quickly last season because you're, you're not as committed as baseball isn't a top priority in your life? And he said, yes, it is. That would be a very different thing than saying my family and my faith are more important to me than baseball. Of course. I mean, Anthony Rendon has played 148 baseball games over the last three years. Right. And he has been someone who has been injured in the past, but the, the book on Anthony Rendon is that. He doesn't love playing, and so he's not going to bust his butt to come back, to come back fast, which is a very different thing than do you love your family or faith more than baseball? Like, it becomes a little bit murky, right? No, it's not murky at all. You're 100% right. It is, if that indeed is, if, his, if baseball is not important enough to him, this is the ultimate danger of guaranteed contracts. This is why owners don't want to give them is and and so he's what he's doing now is he's screwing it up for everybody else uh, all the other players who want guaranteed contracts all those things are i mean bordering on reprehensible whatever term i want where baseball ranks in comparison to his family and his faith have nothing to do with it right everyone's most people's i mean vince lombardi said that the only things that you care about are the three things your family your faith and the green bay packers cam did you have one thing to add quickly just i think it's also a particularly bad look because this is the team that has wasted the careers of mike trout and shohei otani to this point mike trout the other day says i'm staying here i think we can win a championship here the very same day his teammate may be expressing that he is not as invested as Mike Trout might want his teammates or future teammates to be. I think it's just a bad perception look for this particular player on this for particular sure. team. I don't everything you guys are saying are right. Anthony Rendon is then open to all of the criticism that comes from those things. <laughs> and, and, and I understand why they influence the way people receive these comments as well. That's a good discussion. It continues tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcast.